Pickaxe. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everybody. And Hi. welcome back. Oh, <laughs> jumping straight. I was going to introduce you. Needs no introduction. <laughs> welcome to Comfort Zone, where we dive into each other's brains and try to work out what on earth is going on in our dreams. But today we have a new brain. We have new prey, new squishy matter for us. We have Lewis here. Hi. Welcome. I jumped the gun, Bryony. <laughs> That's all right. Thank you for, for probing my brain. Are you aliens? What is this? Do you get electrodes? <laughs> yeah, welcome. This is the alien podcast. I thought this was supposed to be comforting. I didn't want to have holes drilled in my head and be strapped to like one of those weird metal jaggedy chairs and have a light shining in my eyes. I wanted to be like snuggled up under a blanket. Well, we'll, um, we'll tuck you in and we'll read you a nice story. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a blanket <laughs> on the on the jagged metal chair. Uh-oh. How's that? <laughs> I feel like I'm being beamed up right now. <laughs> do you like talking about dreams or do you find it like, because I know a lot of people, they're just like, oh, I don't want to hear about other people's dreams. Oh, I think Tom's a bit like that, isn't he? Unless he can, yeah. unless he's in the dream, he doesn't want to know. That's the old meme, isn't it? That, you know, don't tell me about your dreams unless I'm in them or someone's having sex. Exactly. But I think, I think, I, I don't know. I always, dreams are interesting. All I really know about dreams, which is probably stuff you've already gone through on this podcast, is there are ways to process your your filing cabinet in your brain, right? The idea is, I think, that it helps you categorize things or at least sort things out. And But also it's, it, there's a lot of subconscious stuff that goes on with dreams because there's, there's something weird where you forget them very quickly uh, if, you're, if you're not careful. And so they must, they're, they're, they're just very strange. They're a very strange phenomenon that we, we have. They're a big part of, of stories as well, like especially sci-fi and fantasy, the idea that Dreams are this thing that you can connect with other people in and or that there's some sort of window into your mind. Yeah. I think as well in like in Greek mythology, because I've been reading the Iliad at the moment. Basically, if the gods want to tell you something, they'd be like, just shove it in a dream. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to talk to them. Just put it in a dream. <laughs> they can figure it out themselves. So so I did this thing, which they always tell you to do with lucid dreaming is to as soon as you wake up, you write down what you dreamed. Because otherwise it just slips out of your mind. And even as you're writing it down, details are going and you could feel them going. Yeah. It's a really strange experience, honestly. So yeah, I did I did write a bit down on my phone. It's sort of like um it's like when you get those the floaty things in your eyes and when you try and look at them, they bounce away. I think dreams are like that. The more you try and focus yeah. on them, they're just there hiding in the corner, like don't don't do not perceive me. Yeah. <laughs> that is it, isn't it? And I think uh, the other thing about dreams is that Sometimes something will happen in a dream and I'll be angry about someone or something and that oh, I'll take that through to my day subconsciously mm-hmm. um, and I'll be irritated with 
like someone for no reason. <laughs> be like, why are you so? Why are you like this today? And, it, uh, and I, I have to. I do, I'm often like, I must have had a bad. No, well, it, it depends, doesn't it? Like, I think this is why things like meditation are, are good for you to help clear your your mind as well. Yeah. Because um, often yeah. it's like go 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 for us. Like you know, we wake up, we're jolted awake, and then we're you know suddenly in the in the Ferrari of getting ready and getting a shower and getting outdoor and everything's go 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 all the time and you're constantly listening to a podcast or watching something the whole way it's going you don't ever have like a couple of seconds to like actually turn off which is healthy yeah I yeah. don't think like that that's good I guess that's true like you you like overload your brain so much with all these like stimulants throughout the day and then I really thought about how full your head is during the day. I tend to think mm. of mine as being quite head empty, but I guess there is a lot going on. I'm stuffing my head full of things from like bananas and snacker jacks and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> podcasts. The thing is, the it's like you said, like dreaming is a way for your brain to sort of file everything away and just sort of decompress and think about what's been going on. And in a sense, I think, as you say, like you're spending all day shoving all this stuff into your brain and the amount of people we've talked to that have just said oh my dreams are all just stressful it's just stress uh, in one form or another and i think like you say like meditation is a really good thing to think about because i think that's like a a more positive way in a way to like decompress because you sort of have control of it you know whereas in your dreams it's like oh you know you're stressed okay here's a stressful dream here you go enjoy mm. i struggle with the meditation thing. I've tried it before. Maybe I've just not found the way for me, but I find as someone with aphantasia, which is basically I can't imagine things. So when you're listening to a thing and it's been like, you're by the sea and in my head is literally just the void. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not by the sea. <laughs> I think it's the opposite, Bryony. So, so a lot of people, when they meditate, they try and clear their mind. They try and, they're trying to look for emptiness and try and think of nothing. And a big part of it is to, as soon as your mind drifts onto thinking about something, it's to try and bring it back and focus mostly on breathing, actually. So in fact, you might be- I've got a head start. Uh, a Zen master. You might actually be be powered up. You might be the next reincarnation of the Buddha. Oh my gosh. You never know. I think meditation, a lot of people meditate and they don't know it though. A lot of people have a walk to work or a drive or they do something where they're waiting for someone. And if they're not on their phone or they're not yeah, I think it's happen it happens less nowadays because everyone does. You know, you go on the train and you look down the train, everyone is on their phone, right? Mm. There used to be just people staring out the window blindly thinking about stuff. And that was quite meditative in a way. I'm not saying that people are more irritable now. And maybe in fact people are less irritable now because they're distracted by their phones. <laughs> the the things that bothered them don't roll around in their head and get them all amped up. So I don't know, maybe in fact, in some ways it's not meditative. It's is in fact harmful to try and like if you're not it's, if it's uncontrolled you know if you're not act actively trying to clear your mind and mm -hmm. categorize mm. things and put things away i think it could people can get stressed out by these things but yeah i can see why people think dreams are stressy because thinking about them they're weird yeah the other big problem with why dreams are sort of not interesting is because they don't have a coherent story yeah um even I mean, we watch a lot of crap on the telly that's kind of a bad story, but at least it's kind of got a beginning, a middle and an end. The dream, you just start in the middle of something weird with all these rules that have already established and they're weird, but you just sort of don't even notice that they've got these <laughs> yeah. odd rules. And then it just sort of ends all very abruptly. And the, part of the reason is that is that you wouldn't remember it, I guess. It's not crafted. It's not, it's not like some sort of 
thing. It's just it's just like a hallucination, I guess, mm-hmm. in a sense. I think that's the other reason they're deeply unsatisfied. It's like it's like trying to tell them is like telling people an anecdote with no reason. And sometimes they don't make any sense and they don't have any meaning. And I think there's a lot of meaning ascribed to them. Yeah. Even from like Greek times, I think people assumed that the things that you dreamt were the things that you you wanted, you know, like, oh, your dreams. The Even today we say, oh, I dream of being a, an astronaut, right? No one fucking does that, do they? I don't think I've ever, <laughs> I've never actually <laughs> dreamed of something that I would like to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, it's funny how like dream and aspiration have just become one and the same sort of thing when really if your dreams really did come true, it would just be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I find my dreams are very much sensible things that when I think about it, it's like, oh, okay, this does make sense because the people in the dream are usually the people I'm hanging up, hanging out with that day. Or the other thing as big video gamers is that if you've been playing a game for 12 hours, that's all you're going to dream about. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that hundred percent. And it's going to, it's going to go round and round in your head and sometimes be very kind of unpleasant actually because it's kind of fucked up yeah i've found a lot of the time when i've binged a game and i end up dreaming about it i almost feel like i'm not sleeping like i just feel like i'm still playing the game and i'm not getting any rest yeah Yeah. you do that sort of like half awake thing where you're just like oh i've got it no wait i'm gonna be seeing the guy about the chickens i collected or something you're like what no you should be asleep please yeah (laughs) i i remember when minecraft first got released and i played it non-stop I was dreaming in cubes. <laughs> it was it was awful. Uh, when I had COVID and I was like, I couldn't sleep because I was like all phlegmy. I was like in this kind of heart. I was so tired, but I was like in this half light, half like half awake, half sleep. I had these terrible, like vivid dreams about just frustrating nonsense. It was like mm. it was like I was reading books, but they there was nothing on the pages. And I was like trying to play a board game, but but the rules didn't make sense. And it was just going over and over and over again as well. It was like, I was like reliving this same couple of moments of frustrated mm-hmm. confusion. It was horrible, actually. Yeah. So yeah, I could see why people would do without them. If they could. <laughs> Certainly sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice to be able to fucking turn them off. It's like the last <laughs> thing you need is to be mentally ill on top of your being physically ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say your favourite kind of dream then is is more of an ordered, quite normal dream? Like not, not particularly left field or anything, just... I don't hate dreams, but I think I'd I'd hate them more if I remembered them. Like, for example, if I wake up in the morning and I've had like a bad year, I'm not going to fucking write that down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm just I'm just going to be like, yeah, let's just forget that one. <laughs> and then I do. <laughs> I can't actually tell you really anything particularly detailed about any of this stuff. Because even, the, you know, even when I had COVID and I had these, these awful nightmares, I know I had these terrible issues. I can't really remember even... Like I said, what it was about, you know, I can remember like very, very loose snippets, but it, I just, it's kind of gone. And I should know because I spent hours and hours, it felt like it going around in circles with it. I'm not one of these people who wants to fly in dreams or like lucid dream or like, I don't know, have sex with supermodels or whatever people want to try and do in dreams. You know, <laughs> a lot of people talk about this as if like, oh, I've taught myself to to do whatever I want. I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. I, I don't look forward to to dreaming, I guess. I feel like it's not particularly restful if you end up lucid dreaming all the time. Yeah, like we already have to be in charge of what we're doing in the waking hours. Just like, I feel like sleep should be a bit of a time off. Just let your brain go about its nonsense and do whatever it wants. Exactly. Yeah. I like the idea of curating it a bit or at least having control over it so you're not upset or scared. But I don't know, I feel like it's almost like having a 
general anesthetic sleeping a little bit like you know it's happening to you but you don't know it you know yeah there's a few of the anesthetics which quite scary like when i had my wisdom teeth taken out i had this this anesthetic that you're awake for the whole thing but you don't remember it it's like one of these sort of comparable it's cool but it's a specific type of anesthetic where they they still want you to you know they don't want you to be completely like asleep yeah yeah but you wouldn't remember any of it and i feel like that's a lot of what dreaming is like but it's a terrifying thought isn't it that you might remember someone you know pulling your tooth out or whatever yeah i have a friend who swears he had surgery and he swears he woke up in the middle of it and was conscious and i'm i'm pretty sure he was just dreaming it he had a dream because obviously that was what was on his mind but he he's just like no 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 i woke up i remember what was going on sort of thing but i've never really thought about if people dream under like because i've never had a, a general anesthetic do you know if you do still yeah do you still have dreams under it i don't really remember very much at all you know i remember them like counting down it's like count down in your head from like a hundred, and I was like a hundred ninety nine, and then that was it. I was like, oh, yeah. it was like it was like one of those types of things. It's like that sometimes when you fall asleep, people usually have something reliably not not everyone, but someone usually has something reliably that knocks them off. I find, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things that if I think about if I start thinking about this thing, I guess it's like the counting sheep thing, right? If I start thinking of a chessboard and then any move on that chessboard, and I'm asleep. I think it must be that part of my brain that just wants me to, like, is keyed in with, this is boring. I accidentally did that with Paul McCartney because... I beg your pardon? My mum won tickets to go and see Paul McCartney. (laughs) Does Alex know? (laughs) She won tickets to go and see Paul McCartney at the Royal Albert Hall. And I went straight after work after a really long day and I just fell asleep throughout the whole thing. I would wake up at the end of every song when people applauded and then I would fall asleep again. And... To this day, if I hear Paul McCartney, I'm just like nodding off. <laughs> oh my God. That's cute. It's like a hypnotic trigger. That's amazing. It's like you've been, it's like you've been hypnotized. Been conditioned, yeah. It's the same with Tony Robinson because I used to have trouble sleeping as a child. So I used to rent audiobooks from the library and it would always be Terry Pratchett books read by Tony Robinson. So he makes me go to sleep as well. <laughs> That's good. He's got a very restful voice. He does. That, that makes sense. <laughs> that does. I wish I had something like that. Good old Tony. Paul McCartney to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to just do sort of like the meditative thing where I just imagine that I'm in a completely empty room and if any thoughts try to come into my brain, I'm like, nope, I'm in an empty room. I'm not thinking about anything. And then eventually I do just go to sleep. Mm. That's boring compared to Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it can be a good thing if you do the like you squeeze, like you tense your toes and then you release and then you tense your feet and release and you work all the way up. I've heard that can be a good thing. Yeah, I've tried that as well. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's like a that's like a relaxation technique that. So you you sort of bring your consciousness down to your to your toes and you try and relax every muscle in your body, like working your way up one thing at a time. Yeah. And you'll find that like it shakes out a lot of tension because you're always I don't know. I'm, I'm always like I always sleep super weird as well, like uncomfortably. I find it difficult to get like a good, comfortable position, and then I wake up and I'm like twisted around like The Exorcist or something, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I, I don't know about dreams. If I want to remember them, I guess I don't. I guess generally I don't. And I'm happy not. But I'm also just keen to to make sure they don't affect me. Yeah. As well, I don't want to don't want them to mess me up 
or make me behave in a way that is irrational. Yeah, we, we've talked about this previously, like how people are affected by their dreams and the sense that they might get angry at their partner or they might get angry at a friend because they dreamt that they did something awful. And it's just, it's so bizarre how it affects, like, I don't know, our perception of them. I think it's all very subconscious too. Yeah. I think some people genuinely do get angry about people who have <laughs> done something in their dream, like you had an effect, you cheated on me in your dream. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as soon as you think about that, it's, it just falls apart though, doesn't it? Like the dream, I guess. Where's like, I got wound up yesterday because I was walking to the cinema and on the way I bought a bag of hamster food. And then there was a sign on the cinema door that said, you can't bring food in. And I got this, you know, when you just have an argument in your head, I had this daydream about them trying to take my hamster food away and me being like, that's ridiculous. It's hamster food. I'm not going to sit there and eat these biscuits and peanuts during the cinema. And I was like, why am I getting into this argument in my head? That's just making me really grumpy for no reason. It's not even happened. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I feel like dreams can sometimes just be a big extension of of that. I think I think that is part of who we are. I, I'm not an expert on this sort of stuff at all. Or I'm just a sort of casual observer. But I, I feel like we as humans have this higher brain capacity to envisage these scenarios, partly to protect us or make us prepared for if that were to happen. You know, you've played that scenario through in your head. It doesn't sound like it really was very helpful, but, <laughs> <laughs> but but if it did happen, if someone's like, you can't bring that hamster food in here, you'd be like, I'd be prepared. This is hamster food. It's not for me. I'm not going to eat it in there, am I? I'm not going to fucking start chowing down on a load of these, like, whatever they are, corn <laughs> peanuts or whatever, whatever hamsters eat. What do they eat? Like bits of lettuce? I don't know. Lots of different seeds and stuff they tend yeah. to have. Okay. A little sure. flat. Peas and corn, and And I don't know if dreams are necessarily extension of that, but certainly they, even now, like they're weird, aren't they? It's nice to, it's nice. They're just weird. Yeah, it's like a forgettable thing about human humans. Humans, humans, humans. (laughs) We will analyze humans. Beam up, Lewis, and examine his dream. (laughs) There, there is a thing though where. These sort of daydreams, they relate to your conscience in a way. So you think of these arguments that you'd have. And I think there's a, a thing where people might think of like a really terrible thing. Like, oh, there's someone standing at the edge of a cliff over there. What if I kick them off? And you, your brain would never <laughs> act on it. But these thoughts are there so that you think, no, that's a terrible thing to do. Why would I do that? And yeah, I don't know. It's it's That is like a, a normal thing. And You're right. It's 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 that part, isn't it? It's the call of the void as well, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And it's like the, like the, what would happen if I just fucking jumped off right now? Yeah. Or, you know, when you're driving a car, you're like, what would happen if I just fucking drove off the road? Um, You know, you, you, you get these stupid you know, the things that you, you're not going to do, but your brain just goes there. Yeah. It's like literally anytime I'm holding a, a baby... My brain's like, what a lovely baby. What a shame if I dropped them. And I'm like, no, why would you think this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, your brain does go there. I have to put my phone in my pocket anytime I go across a bridge because it's just constantly like, what if you threw your phone off? And I'm like, that would be so stupid. And I'm like, yeah, but what if you did it? (laughs) (laughs) Just do it. I, I find that that is constant. Like you know, you're on a, I'm on a bus, and I'm like, oh, what happens if the, what happens if a guy came in with a gun onto this bus, and I was like, had to escape out the window, and I was like, you go through these stupid scenarios in your hand that just stress you, that stress you out mm-hmm. for no reason. I think I do that, but it's mostly, what if I suddenly really thought I was going to shit myself? <laughs> what would I do? <laughs> 
I don't know if it just comes from having IBS, so I'm always planning where the nearest toilet is. And the thing is, I think that triggers it as well, because then it's anxiety of like, oh, geez, I hope I don't need to now. (laughs) But what would I do if I did? Yeah. I should probably prepare for something more serious, like an attack. I mean, that's pretty serious. (laughs) I guess the thing is, I, I, I feel like that a lot too. Like I'm... I'm only I'm only minutes away from shitting myself in public, right? You know, I'm in the middle of town and I'm suddenly really need to poo and I'm like, oh, where am I going to go? And there's like, I'm, I've never actually shit myself in public, but I know it's only a matter of time. And if I was unlucky, <laughs> if I was unlucky, it would have happened a lot more. The chances of shitting yourself are never zero. You're not alone, Bryony. See, the chances of it happening would be a lot higher if you didn't have these thoughts. This is true. <laughs> All humans, I guess, are moments away from shitting themselves in public. Yeah. That's what you've got to think. Even like Bob Geldof and, you know, President Obama, all these people, they're (laughs) they're like us. (laughs) The Queen. It's like Alex got bought for his birthday, he got bought tickets for a hot air balloon ride and I had to say no because I just kept on thinking, what if I'm like however many feet in the air? And I suddenly really need to go and I'm in a basket with 12 people. What do you do? I see. So he ended up he ended up going with his sister instead. Oh, <laughs> They're not that good. <laughs> you don't miss out. Yeah, you're very cramped in a hot air balloon. I've I've been in one and God, they, they fit so many people in that little basket. Oh, so I so I, I could have blamed it on someone else. If you shit yourself in that basket, you're in trouble. I, I don't think that's the reason though. I don't think that, that it's so cramped that it's gonna squeeze you that hard that you're gonna poo. That's not what I meant, but that's another issue. <laughs> So it's so cramped that if it had have happened, I could have just turned around to the person behind me and been like, did you just put shit in my pants? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're that close. You could have done that, actually. Did you just... I can't believe you. I can't believe you've you've done done this. this. Throw them off. (laughs) (laughs) That probably would have been another thing. I would have worried about pushing someone out the basket as well. Well, that's just another thing I'm now worried about, shooting myself (laughs) in a hot air balloon. Thank you, Bryony. I didn't need that, but now I have it. You fear unlocked. It's like when you're doing an escape room or something. Any any well, time and you, that and you're you like, shit yourself. And, yeah, they let you out pretty quick. It's a it's my gamer plan. <laughs> I think I'm pretty. My body's pretty good. I mean, every time I go on stage, I feel like I'm scared beforehand and I need to poo. Like almost every time I'm on stage at any point. So I think if I was going in a hot air balloon, I would be able to poo before the ride. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This isn't the IBS podcast. Sorry, this is the. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, should we get back on track? Should we hear your dream? Because you said you wrote one down for us. Yeah. I did, but it doesn't make any sense. Oh, they never do. Okay, so in my dream, I had a phone call. So it starts with a phone call of asking me if I was coming to this thing. Now that happens to me quite often. People say to me, Lewis, you coming to this thing? And I'm I don't know whether that means immediately that I've I've forgotten about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because then how do, what what do you say to that? Because I, I don't want to say what thing, because it might be something that, you know, it's like, oh, it's it's my birthday party that I invited <laughs> you to. Or, you know, duh. And I'd be like, oh, no, I don't have a present. Do you know what I mean? Or, or it might be some, I don't know, like even like this podcast recording, you know, some I, I would have just forgotten. Because I constantly do this. Like people, invite, I've got a Google calendar and stuff and I'm organised, but I still get people occasionally to asking me, are you coming to this thing? And yeah. so 
I, it put put me on edge. It was someone I don't even know who on the phone, but it was it was it was it was, it was at the local coffee shop, and that was all the information I got. And this was in a, in in somewhere where I don't live. I think it was like it felt it felt like an American, like an LA. It was sunny. It was nice, which is mm-hmm. obviously not what we've had in the UK for the last nine months. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm instantly thinking, am I myself? You know, sometimes when you're in a dream, you're disjointed and you're sort of playing someone else. Because, you know, we do this a lot, right? In terms of video games, we get into other characters or we role play or we we watch TV and we put ourselves in the minds or bodies of these characters, especially in books too. You're... You know, you're you're reading a book and you're trying to get into the into this character. So that's the other thing about dreams. Like I'm never quite sure whether or not I'm actually me. But in this case, I assume I was. And I went to this coffee shop and Ben's there, of course. So obviously someone that I hang out with every day. But he wasn't Ben. He was like a cool version of Ben. He was like cool Ben. <laughs> the cooler Ben. <laughs> He was like leaning against the wall of the coffee shop in like a fancy um, long trench coat and smoking. (laughs) (laughs) And occasionally people were like asking him for autographs. And it turned out that this was a reveal event for a new card game. Okay, like a Magic the Gathering, I guess, like type card game. Mm -hmm. And Ben was obviously, I don't know, a a celebrity in this card game in this universe that I was thinking of. (laughs) I wrote down the, the name of the card game was called Aquili, oh. which doesn't sound very good. But they had like one big table in this coffee shop with all of like, the, I've been to a lot of these types of events where they rent out a place and they put computers in there or they get some tables with the game on. You know, you go to like an event like Comic-Con or whatever and people are showing off their board game yeah, and they have a few tables with their board game on. It had like one big table and they had these like cards on it. And there was no one else there, really. It was just an ordinary coffee shop. And this is the point at which the dream went a bit weird. This coffee place was a, was a Costa, like a normal Costa coffee place, except everyone had set up their own franchised coffee shop on each table. Right. And you could go and get like a very weird, specific, like shortcake coffee from this specific woman who was running her own business. It's like the gig economy. I said. <laughs> But the thing is, these coffee shops all functioned like mobile idol games. So when I got to this fucking shortcake coffee, I asked for it. And like a little timer started counting down. It was like 14 minutes, 59. So I'd have to wait for the coffee. Amazing. And I could see there were like other timers. Like this one was like 48 hours and he he only had like half of his coffee restaurant built yet. He was still like getting cups and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It went sideways. It didn't have any coherence at that point. And it went into like weird, weird land. Mm -hmm. So I looked around and they finished the reveal event and everyone had left and they pushed the big table to one side. But they kept all of these cards on it and they they just left it there in the coffee shop. So I thought, oh, these cards might be worth something one day. So I went around (laughs) gathering them all up like some... (laughs) Like, like some <laughs> scavenger. A little loot goblin. <laughs> like a little loot goblin. And I was like snatching up all of the cards. Um, then I woke up. There you go. And that was that was it. That's all I have. What was uh, what was Cool Ben doing all this time? I didn't see Cool Ben again. No. <laughs> oh, he's too he's too cool. He's too cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. It was short and weird. It just, I don't know, like it just, it was so, I don't even know where to begin, like trying to unpack stuff. Because I don't particularly play any of these mobile idol games. I know of them. Yeah. I know how they work. 
I guess like in my mind, I'm just trying to put together the idea of like people do it, running their own businesses, but it just being this artificial, or maybe it's fun. Maybe people enjoy running their own coffee shop in a coffee shop. <laughs> it almost sounds like an episode of The Apprentice where they've had to go off and make their own coffee franchise. and Yeah. They never act like normal human beings. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. The Apprentice is a wild ride. No, they act completely irrationally <laughs> and have this this terrible idea because they, in their specific life or family, have had an experience where they particularly enjoyed this one thing. It might be like, oh, whortleberry jam. Everyone knows about <laughs> whortleberry jam. My family and our village all love whortleberry jam, so surely everyone's heard of it. And they're not going to be completely weirded out when I suggest whortleberry jam tart. Uh, you know, as the next big thing. But no, no one's ever heard of that. It's just you. <laughs> and everyone else now thinks you're weird. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you're going to crash the Aquila market. Yeah. Are you planning on selling off all the cards super expensive, keeping some of them back? I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I would just assumed that in my mind, like I just became very greedy. I was like, oh, yeah. Something about like originals. I just, in my mind, it was like, you know, like the Superman comics or number one or whatever are all worth a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where you start making more of those. You just start making number one of this, number one of this, number one of this. And you never do a number two. Mm-hmm. Every comic is something number one, right? Because it sells more because people collect it because they want to have the number one because they know that comic number one is worth more yeah mm-hmm. in the same way with collectible cards what used to be a kind of collectible card game has become a parasite on the sort of investmenty loot industry right big card game manufacturers especially in america now lean into the idea that opening a pack of cards is like a loot box mm-hmm. it's like a lottery ticket right you might find in your pack of baseball cards, the one card that has a lock of, you know, whatever baseball, st- I can't even name a single baseball man <laughs> or woman. Baby Ruth. Was Baby Ruth a baseball player? Baby Ruth. <laughs> sure. It's got a lock of Baby Ruth's hair signed by Baby Ruth in the card. They actually make these cards that are golden tickets, right? Mm-hmm. And it never used to be like that. It used to be, yeah, there was a collection, there were 52 cards. It was randomized and you had to kind of collect more. You traded them with other people. But what they've realized now is that they can sell more if they can make it gambling. And so that's happened in digital card games, sure. It's happened in in real card games too, to the point where it's kind of evil and shouldn't be allowed. But it's a thing that we just experience. And so I think in my mind, I'm suckered in as well, right? Like I believe Mm -hmm. that the first edition will be worth something. But weirdly, like, actually, it's not necessarily that. Like, you'd be surprised what people put value on. So, for example, like Pokemon, right? Barry bought this um, big sheet of uncut Pokemon cards. Yeah. Have you seen it in the office? I have seen it. It's like, I don't know, 50 shinies from second edition or whatever. And they gave these cards away. And it seems like it would be a pretty rare thing, right? But it isn't... I mean, it's worth good money, but it's not worth a lot, even though it's a pretty unusual item. You see this too with like movie props and movie things, you know, sometimes, you know, a prop from the original movie will be worth a huge amount of money and, but the, but the original script won't be or something like this, you know, and and I guess it's, it's worth what people will pay for it at the end of the day. But I think that you see some games that are clearly much rarer than Pokemon be worth nothing 
at all. Yeah. <laughs> and others others be worth a huge amount because there's a collector's market. My parents bought like a um a stamp set of the millennium, you know, a collectible millennium stamp set. But of course, it's worth nothing because everyone bought the collectible millennium stamp set thinking yeah. it would be worth something. And they made a hundred thousand of them, you know. Whereas actually the year after the two thousand and one stamp set or whatever, he made fuck all. No one bought it. <laughs> Yeah. And it's actually worth quite a bit now. Do you know what I mean? Because like stamp collectors actually want, they can get that fucking millennium one from any old fucker. Whereas the newer one is, just wasn't printed as much. And it's, it's odd that that somehow has more value. It's like the Beanie Baby thing, you know? Yeah, I had so many, so many. It was like a mania. Everyone was like, Beanie Babies were changing hands for hundreds of pounds. Um, and now they're obviously absolutely none of them worth fuck all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Don't I know it? <laughs> well, maybe they're worth something nowadays. I don't. I don't think they are. But it's very strange, isn't it? I'm not saying the Pokemon card market's going to crash, but um, it, it is odd. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, like it's very specific ones that end up becoming rare with that sort of thing. Like, say with the Beanie Babies, like there are a couple of really rare, like bears, whereas all of the other just junk Beanie Babies, nobody cares about, like at all. And very few people care about the very special bears either. And it's the same with Pokemon cards, like Charizard. Everyone wants a Charizard, but like, give me a, I don't know, an Ivysaur. It's like, oh, I don't really, don't really care about that. Yeah. What's your favorite Pokemon? Mine is Totodile from Gen 2. Totodile. Totodile. I'm going to have to look that one up. <laughs> he's, he's a very sweet little, little, little crocodile boy. Totodile. Mine's Wattleberry. Wattleberry. <laughs> <laughs> He's a posh little boy <laughs> with a top hat. Oh. Wattleberry. Wattleberry. Badoof reminds me of Jerry, so he's my favourite. <laughs> Badoof is a very good choice. Totodile is an overly happy cartoon crocodile. He is. And I love him. <laughs> See, that's the thing as well. I I would happily collect every Totodile Pokemon card. And it's like Harry with his Mr. Mime Pokemon cards. Like I think everyone has their favourite and people might like monopolize on that, you know? They'll be like, oh, everyone loves Pikachu. A lot of people's favourite Pokemon is Pikachu. Pikachu cards are very expensive. Yeah. Luckily not as many people know Totodile, but Totodile's a good one to collect. You should collect Totodile. He's a big jaw Pokemon. That's what he's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love him. I've had Nalsi send me a few Totodile cards. I'd, I'd definitely be up for collecting more. Badoof Briny is plump mouse Pokemon. Oh, It's very strange. He does have a very good booty. He does. Plump mouse. <laughs> very good booty. Very plump. This reminded me of, there's this ongoing thing in my family about this board game that it must be about 30 years old now that my dad got given for Christmas one year called Legend of Zagor. It's like a Ian Livingstone board game and it's still sealed and my parents won't let me open it. And I've been asking to play oh. this game for years. At first, my parents were convinced that it had a VHS and I was like, it doesn't have a VHS. We can play this. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, just leave it. Just And I'm like, please. Let me have this game. I want to play it so bad. <laughs> I would literally just go into my parents' room sometime and just open the cupboard and look at it and want to play it. <laughs> it was just on the top oh shelf God. of the cupboard. It got to the point where I was like, maybe I'll just buy myself one, but it's like £300. <laughs> oh, God. I'm like, please, parents. Oh, it's actually worth it, is it? It's worth money. Well, I think I could probably get it cheaper used, but if it was a still sealed one, I was saying, can I sell the sealed one and buy an opened one? <laughs> 
odd game based on the RPG-like mechanics of the fighting fantasy books with exploration and dungeon crawling of a game called Dungeon. The game was not much of a success, in large part because it came out a bit too late to benefit from any hero quest hype. And no one's parents would let them open it. <laughs> so it was like a post it was like a post hero quest fighting fantasy based board game. How odd. That sounds fun. Yeah. It does sound fun, doesn't it? Thank you, Kirsty. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound fun. Oh my god. Tell your parents I want to play it too. <laughs> Why? So, so are your parents keeping it in case one day it's worth three hundred pounds, which is now? Why have they not sold it? I don't know why they won't let me open it. I think it's is just it a become... family heirloom now. Is will they deny it when they eventually have grandchildren? Will they deny them to play it as well? Is this the idea to torture successive generations of Turners? They have grandchildren. They still still won't let me open it. Oh really? <laughs> It got to the point where I started looking up because it has like, I think it's meant to have like 200 voice acted phrases in this battery operated game sort of thing. And it got to the point where I was looking up YouTube videos just to hear the voice because I'd been denied it for so long. I was like, what does Zagor sound like? It has an electronic (laughs) voice. It must be one that's kind of automatic. Or is it? Is it like, I guess it must be fixed, right? Because it's from, I guess, the 90s, 1993. I don't know. Has it got a tape? It has two goblins, two orcs, two zombies, and three skeletons. A troll, two ogres, two chaos champions, and a hell horn. Mm. <laughs> wow. This is, it's got a lot of pieces. It has got like 300 pieces, although most of them are equipment tiles and torch tokens and things. I think that's why my parents could never be bothered to get it out, because they, they just didn't like board games that were a lot of setting up. And I think they thought, you know, we're just going to spend ages setting it up, and then you'll get bored, and you're want to go and do something else and I was always like no well it's actually a very low complexity it's only one out of five complexity rating well 1.7 out of five so so that doesn't seem like very high that's that's super light as it goes yeah well there you go I found a used one a used one for 140 pounds and this is sealed oh my god oh no I mean our one is sealed so it must be that much more for the for the plastic wrapping yeah, <laughs> Double the price for that premium plastic. I think these things should be worth more as collectibles, partly because it feels like it would be an incredible faff to fake one of these, right? Like, I just feel like so much art and even Pokemon cards, right, are super easy to just create a counterfeit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a piece of fucking card with some foil on it. Like, people are counterfeiting banknotes and shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're worth way less than a fucking Pokemon card. Do you know what I mean? If you're going through that much effort to counterfeit like a $10 bill, Mm. I'm just saying, I like the idea of collectibles being more easily authenticated. I've watched, I watched a lot of stuff and there's always like people art frauds and so hard for these guys to authenticate them in, in, in some cases, you know. Wasn't there a pair of like Queen Victoria's bloomers that sold for like thousands of pounds? And I'm like, firstly, why would you want that? And secondly, how do you know that they're specifically her bloomers? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do remember that. Did she sew her name in the label? <laughs> I feel like the, 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 the fakers, you know, all the knockoff people in India and China or wherever are, are not making knockoffs of Victoria's bloomers, though, are they? Like, That's true, yeah. They're focusing just... on more important... The factory is <laughs> dedicated to them, pumping out the bloomers. That doesn't, like, cross their mind. So I think that, to me, is fine, in a sense. But yeah, who's pay- where are you putting that? <laughs> are you keeping it in your wardrobe? In a drawer? 
in the lounge? Are you framing them? Do they get dusty? What about moths? I don't know. It's complicated. Like, I want to buy stuff that collectible st- like Barry's Pokemon card. It's a good one. It's like a thing that goes on the wall. You know, you have like a UV bit of filter on it so it doesn't get all washed out in the light. Mm-hmm. The other thing is people are always finding like Ming vases in their kitchen or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, this is... I usually let the cat poo in this and it's like, oh, it's now worth £100,000. <laughs> that always happens as well. There's, there's so much that is so specific. You know, it turns out that another type of vase made at exactly the same time is just as rare but worth nothing. It's very weird what's what's worth stuff. It is. It's really odd. What do you want to collect? What, what were you going to buy from the Antiques Roadshow? Oh, God. Oh, I always liked when they would buy little silver boxes, but I would have no use for it whatsoever. (laughs) I used to watch Bargain Hunt with my parents. And then when I went to university and I was homesick, I would put on Bargain Hunt. And I used to like when they would get the little like squishy eye telescope thing and they'd shove it in their eye and they'd look at the markings on silver boxes and be like, oh, yes, it's Birmingham in in 1652 (laughs) or whatever. And I, I, I don't know why that amused me so much, but yeah. I love that. I would just collect all the old jewellery, like a dragon. I'd hoard it all. <laughs> all the ugly brooches and the big old like amber pendants and stuff. Just like, this is mine now. Would you sleep on top of it? Yeah. <laughs> what? How old, though, are we talking? Honestly, most of the stuff, probably not that old. I, I, I would probably just collect it for the sake of collecting it rather than for the value of it. <laughs> Just because it's pretty and sparkly. I, I'd like to think I would collect like some sort of coins or something. Mm-hmm. I don't own a single collectible coin. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I just daydream about collecting things and then I'm too daunted to actually buy anything of value. I don't I think it's because I think I might lose it mm. or I like have to carry it around. I'm scared to have a collection of things. Yeah. The things I actually end up with collections of is things that I've been given. Like I tend to be given or pick up a lot of pin badges at events and or, or off games or off gifts. And I've, so I've, I've always put them in an envelope and I've actually like built up this vast amount of pin badges that I've been given <laughs> now, which I kind of feel like I want to give them all away. But I don't know. I don't know how now. I've just I've sort of accidentally started collecting something that I wasn't intending to collect. Yeah. See, I have a plan to because I love pin badges, but because I'm afraid that they're going to fall off of clothing or bags or whatever, I want to get like a big quilt and put it on the wall and put them all on there so I can sort of display them so they're not hidden away but mm. they're not in danger <laughs> a quilt that's a good idea oh no you've got to put them in a book or something you know in a box yeah. under the stairs <laughs> <laughs> you can get they often do like bags that have a clear panel on them so you can just put the pin badges on them and they won't fall off oh um, they're quite good too uh, I reckon you could put them in like a uh, there's probably like a frame with holes in it you know that yeah. you can put them in yeah I have like a, a badge collection and it's got all the old ones like um, were you ever in the Tufty Club they were like a thing when I was in primary school and they would teach you how to cross the road oh I've never heard of it I've never heard of it no I had just badges from like when I had a Charlie Chalk birthday at the Beef Eater and all of this stuff like oh my God. all these badges that I got given throughout all of my life and they're so completely no value to them whatsoever other than mm-hmm. for me but yeah I do I do love them honestly same the history of the Tufty Club <laughs> ah here we go 1953 Tufty Fluffy Tail <laughs> created <laughs> And it's a picture of a squirrel wearing yellow pants, yeah, a blue blazer, and he's kind of crouching in a position where he sort of looks like he's about to take a shit. <laughs> he's kind of squatting. 
Maybe he's got IBS and he's been caught out. Yeah, hopefully he's not in public. Yeah. 1962, more than 60,000 children joined the Tufty Club, which is expanded to include older children. Uh, 1966, 2,000 Tufty Clubs. 1993, he was restyled and modernised to bring him up to date with the 1990s. <laughs> they gave him a backwards cap. He's, yeah, kind <laughs> of. a skateboard. He's got like a cool shirt which has tea on it and he's got like, he looks like a 90s cartoon character. I guess that's the era I would have joined. It's cool Tufty. Like cool Ben, but cool Tufty. <laughs> Yeah, big old trench coat on. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Her Royal Highness Princess Princess Michael of Kent. Who is Princess Michael? Is that a person? I've no idea. <laughs> it's one of the lesser known royal members, I guess. She became the president of the Tufty Club and updated his image as well. The long history. The latest bit of Tufty news is from 2007, so a while ago. He is about 70 years old now, so maybe he's like retired. It's prime collectible phase now, right? All of those badges. That's like, it. The highly sought after yeah. Tufty badges. There are going to be forgeries everywhere. Well, no, though, <laughs> because we've never heard of it. That's the thing. I reckon Blue Peter badges are probably worth oh, a bunch, geez. right? They must be like the old, the old ones. Oh no, they give those out to anyone these days. They they do. But my my dad once uh, was working for one of the presenters of Blue Peter. He was doing a roof, and he was up in the loft, and he found a box full of Blue Peter badges that she'd obviously nicked from the studio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he just took one. He was like, "Go Blue Peter badge for you." I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. He stole it. Yeah, he did. From a blue procedure presenter's attic. Yeah, I don't think that's allowed. It's, that's like you should be have a blue Peter badge removed for being a thief. Sorry, Dad. Dad's going to prison. Dad's going to prison. I'm so sorry. But weren't they for different things? Like the blue Peter badge for for art and stuff. So maybe there was one for thievery. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. They were all different colours. There was like the green one for, for doing nature things and the blue one for doing something else. And the white one with the blue ship was the regular one. That was the one that uh, my dad found. That, that was for doing crime. That was the crime badge. <laughs> crime badge. <laughs> and the gold one if you did something really special. I bet they're worth a fortune. Maybe if he just waited, if he just waited and finished the roof and done a nice job, he would have gotten a gold badge. Yeah, she would have just given <gasps> one. Did you think that's why she I mean she probably nicked them to begin with to be honest. What are you saying that because she stole them? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> He's like Omar from The Wire. He can't get in trouble because he was already stealing from thieves. <laughs> exactly. I reckon she continually bumped into children who were like, "Oh, I recognise you from Blue Peter. Oh yeah, she probably handed them out. And she probably gave them to people, oh, you know, as a nice thing. Dad, how could you? And that was one less child <laughs> who got one. Well, no, no, because I got it in the end, so. She gave them out to all of the community and there was just little Timmy at the end and she was like oh, rummaging no. around in the back like, I'm sorry, little Timmy, there's none left. <laughs> He gave it to you. Why did you deserve it? What have you done? I didn't. You stole it from him. No, I didn't steal it. He gave it to me. I was handling stolen goods. Yeah, to keep quiet. And now you've broken that promise. He's going to take it away again. Well, it ended up breaking, if that's any consolation. It was, it was rubbish. It was well loved. I'm sure we could get that mended. Um, probably. Oh, my poor Blue Peter badge. I think I've got a... Blue Peter badge in there somewhere, but it wasn't mine. Did you steal it? Well, I think it was my sister's. Oh, you, so you maybe did. I did. 
Maybe this is the only way you get them now. <laughs> They're hot property. They are. Is Blippi asleep and going? Probably in some in some way. It was very wholesome. It needs to be rebooted. That's what they're doing with everything these yeah. days. There's a fucking Beavers and Butthead movie coming out. So Yeah, I saw that. Oh, God. If they can reboot that, they can reboot Blue Peter. They did do up the Blue Peter tune. They made like a, I don't know, like a dubstep version of it or something. And I, was, I remember catching it on TV when I was babysitting. And I was just like, the heck? This isn't my Blue Peter. <laughs> dubstep. It might, it might have stopped not long after that. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently it's still going. Oh, damn. Oh, wow. it's, still going. it's like the longest running British TV show or something, right? Or it always used to be. Yeah, it's very popular. It's had 5,000 editions or episodes or something. Oh, geez. I already told that story because I thought it had ended. Now they're going to be on my case. I'm going to have to repeat knocking at the door. <laughs> They're going to send a load of like red badge holders oh, to come no. and hold you down. Yeah, they'll take you to Blue Peter HQ <laughs> no. and make you ride on an elephant or something. I don't know what they do. Discipline you. Don't they every year when they, they put the, the tortoises in a box so that they can hibernate? You're going to be in there this year. Oh, no. Oh, God. oh shit. You're going to be working in the Blue Peter garden. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll get a green badge for that, but probably not. I don't think I'm allowed any more badges. Just steal one. <laughs> steal one, yeah. <laughs> Well, I feel like we didn't really analyse your dream at all, but hopefully you feel okay. Do you feel comforted at all? <laughs> was that the point? <laughs> yeah. I had a nice. It was. I had a nice chat. You know, we should. Um, we should go and do our own bargain hunt, Brian. Oh. We should go and look for little silver boxes. <gasps> yes. That is such a good idea. You know, find some pin badges. Kirsty can go around stealing things whilst we yeah, cover yeah, for yeah. her. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Like Oliver Twist, like a little criminal yeah. a criminal <laughs> gang of orphans. Going, oh, is that a silver box, my lad? Hallmark <laughs> Birmingham. A pocket eh? Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us and telling us about yeah. your dream as well. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Until next time, everyone. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Farewell. Bye.